chapter nine of our friend the charlatan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. our friend the charlatan by george gissing chapter nine it was natural that lady ogram should from the beginning have suspected miss bride of a peculiar interest in lashmar when first she introduced her friend's name constance a little exaggerated the tone of impartiality and in subsequent conversation she was never quite herself on this topic evidently she thought of the young man more often than she cared to have it known a sort of subdued irritation now and then betrayed itself in her when she assented to a favourable comment regarding him and a certain suspense of judgment quite unlike her familiar attitude of mind always marked her agreement in hopes for his future the old woman of the world interpreted this by her own lights at moments it vexed her for she did not like to be mystified at others it touched a chord of sympathy in some very obscure corner of her being and as no practical problem could be put before her without her wishing to solve it autocratically lady ogram soon formed a project with regard to these two persons a project which took firmer consistence and pleased her more the more she pondered it on the appointed day lashmar arrived at rivenoak he was allowed to spend an hour in reposeful solitude ere being admitted to his hostess's presence conducted at length to the green drawing-room he found lady ogram alone she scrutinized him with friendly but searching eye gave him her hand and bade him be seated near her i have another visitor coming from london to-day an old friend of mine mrs toplady where had dyce heard that name somewhere certainly he tried hard to remember but without success i think you will like her pursued lady ogram and she will perhaps be useful to you she likes to know everybody who is or is going to be somebody she'll ask you no doubt to her house in pont street where you'll meet a great many fools and some reasonable people she herself i may tell you is no fool but she has a good deal more patience with that sort than i ever had and so of course has many more friends she's what they call a leader of society yet she doesn't grudge leaving london for a day or two in the beginning of the season to do me a service i seem to know her name said dyce of course you do if you ever read about what society is doing lady ogram always uttered the word with a contemptuous lip but plainly she did not dislike to have it understood that society and certain of its representatives took respectful account of her and now she continued i want to tell you about some other friends of mine you're to meet at dinner to-morrow most of them belong to hollingford and you will have to know them very pungently did she sketch these personages when her listener showed amusement lady ogram was pleased 
if he seemed to find the picture too entertaining she added but he or she is not a fool remember that so did the talk go on until a servant entered to announce the arrival of mrs toplady who had gone to her room and being rather tired would rest there till dinner-time where is miss bride asked lady ogram miss bride has just returned from hollingford my lady i remember said the hostess to her guest she had an appointment with mrs gallantry who has her eye on a house for the training school i suppose we must set the thing going there's no harm in it constance entered in a few minutes greeted lashmar as if she saw him every day and began to talk about mrs gallantry's project when a couple of hours later dyce came down dressed for dinner mrs toplady was already in the drawing-room he heard her voice a well-modulated contralto which held the ear and looking in that direction saw a tall dark-robed woman of middle age with a thin face its lines rather harsh but in general effect handsome and a warm complexion brightly red upon the prominent cheek-bones jewellery sparkled in her hair from her white throat and on her fingers as lashmar came forward she finished what she was saying and turned her eyes upon him with expectant interest a smile at the corner of her lips had a certain mischievousness quite good-humoured but a little perturbing to one who encountered it together with a direct dark gaze for the first time introduction having been performed with lady ogram's wonted carelessness mrs toplady said at once i know a friend of yours mr lashmar mrs woolstan perhaps she has spoken to you of me she has dyce replied remembering now that it was from mrs woolstan he had heard her name why how's that exclaimed the hostess you never told me about it mr lashmar dyce had much ado to conceal his annoyed embarrassment he wondered whether mrs woolstan had made known the fact of his tutorship which he did not care to publish preferring to represent himself as having always held an independent position with momentary awkwardness he explained that mrs toplady's name had but once casually passed mrs woolstan's lips in his hearing and that till now he had forgotten the circumstance i saw her yesterday said the lady of the roguish lips she's in trouble about parting with her little boy just been sent to school ah yes very sweet face hasn't she is the child like her i never saw him perhaps you never did either mrs toplady had a habit not of looking steadily at an interlocutor but of casting a succession of quick glances which seemed to the person thus inspected much more searching than a fixed gaze though vastly relieved by the assurance that mrs woolstan had used discretion concerning him dyce could not become at ease under that restless look he felt himself gauged and registered though with what result was by no means discernible in mrs toplady's countenance those eyes of hers must have gauged a vast variety of men her forehead told of experience and meditation thereon of all the women he could remember 
she impressed him as the least manageable according to his method compared with her lady ogram seemed mere ingenuousness and tractability and pray who is mrs woolstan the hostess was asking with a rather dry insistence a charming little woman replied mrs toplady sincerity in look and voice i knew her before her marriage which perhaps was not quite but the poor man is dead a sister of hers married into my husband's family she plays beautifully an exquisite touch they were summoned to dinner at table it was mrs toplady who led the conversation but in such a way as to assume no undue prominence rather she seemed to be all attention to other talk and her smile notwithstanding to listen with the most open-minded interest to whatever was said her manner to lady ogram was marked with deference at times with something like affectionate gentleness to miss bride she paid the compliment of amiable gravity and towards lashmar she could not have borne herself more respectfully at all events in language if he had been a member of the cabinet every word which fell from him she found suggestive illuminative and seemed to treasure it in her mind after dinner dyce received from her his cue for drawing-room oratory he was led into large discourse and mrs toplady's eyes beamed the most intelligent sympathy none the less did roguery still lurk at the corner of her lips so that from time to time the philosopher fidgeted a little and asked himself uneasily what that smile meant at nine o'clock next morning lashmar and constance sat down to breakfast alone mrs toplady rarely showed herself much before noon if the sky clears said constance lady ogram will drive at eleven and you are invited to accompany her and you asked dyce i have worked for two or three hours lashmar chipped at an egg a thoughtful smile upon his countenance can you tell me anything about mrs toplady he inquired only what i have heard from lady ogram constance sketched a biography the lady had been twice married first in early youth to a man who had nothing and who became phthisical during his illness they suffered from dire poverty and at her husband's death the penniless widow received great kindness from lady ogram whose acquaintance she had made accidentally two years afterwards she married a northern manufacturer of more than twice her age an instance remarked miss bride of natural reaction it chanced that a royal personage on a certain public occasion became the guest of the manufacturer who had local dignities and so well did mrs toplady play her part of hostess that royalty deigned to count her henceforth among its friends her husband would have received a title but an inopportune malady cut short his life a daughter of the first marriage still lived she had wedded into the army and was little heard of mrs toplady a widow unattached took her ease in the world she has seven or eight thousand a year said constance and spends it all on herself naturally she is a very polished and ornamental person something more than that i fancy returned dyce musing oh as lady ogram would say she is not a fool 
dyce smiled and let the topic pass he was enjoying his breakfast and under this genial influence presently felt moved to intimate speech you live very comfortably here don't you you have no objection on principle to this kind of thing his waving hand indicated the well-spread table i certainly not why should i object to civilization i'm not quite sure that i've got at your point of view yet answered dyce good-humouredly you know mine the tools to him who can use them a breakfast such as this puts us at an advantage over the poorer world for the rest of the day but the advantage isn't stolen how came we here is it merely the cost of the railway ticket that transports me from my rasher in a london lodging to reindeer's tongue and so on in the breakfast-room at rivenoak i fancy not he paused was it wise to hint before constance that he had lived rather poorly he hoped and believed that she knew nothing definite as to his circumstances why no she assented with a smile i for example have perhaps some part in it dyce gazed at her surprised at this frankness you certainly have and it reminds me that i may seem very ungrateful i have hardly said thank you shake hands and believe that i am not ungrateful she hesitated not till the hand had been extended to her for an appreciable moment did she give her own in doing so she wore a hard smile so this evening went on dyce i meet my supporters lady ogram gave me an account of them yesterday tell me what you think may i be myself with these people or must i talk twaddle i dislike twaddle as you know but i don't want to spoil my chances you understand how i look at this business my object in life is to gain influence that i may spread my views parliament i take it is the best means considering the nature of the average elector i don't think one need worry about the method one pursues to get elected i won't tell lies that goes against the grain with me but i must be practical constance watched him and seemed to weigh his remarks as for twaddle she said i shouldn't advise much of it in mrs toplady's hearing you are right that would never do i suppose that woman may be of real use to me yes i think so replied constance seriously you are of course aware that a man doesn't become parliamentary candidate by just walking into a town and saying behold me your votes there is such a thing as party organization dyce looked at her with involuntary respect he reminded himself that twaddle was as little likely to have weight with miss bride as with mrs toplady she knows political people he asked she knows everybody or can know i confess i don't understand why in any case it'll be well for you to have her good word lady ogram can do a good deal here but i'm not sure that she could make your acceptance by the liberals a certain thing of course i have thought of that said dyce then fearing he had spoken in too off-hand a way he added graciously i needn't say that i regard your advice as valuable i shall often ask for it constance was mute 
i suppose i may take it for granted that you wish for my success to be sure i wish for it because lady ogram does dyce felt inclined to object to this but constance's face did not invite to further talk on the point at all events he continued it seems no other candidate has been spoken of the party isn't sanguine they look upon rob as an unassailable set it in iternumque set a bit but we shall see about it presently i should like to talk over practical details with you i suppose i call myself unionist these questions of day-to-day -day politics how paltry they are strange that people can get excited about them i shall have to look on it as a game and amuse myself for certain hours of the day a relaxation from thought and work you haven't told me by the by what you think of my bio-sociological system i've been considering it how was it suggested to you constance asked the question so directly and with so keen a look that she all but disconcerted the philosopher oh it grew out of my reading and observation grew bit by bit no armed palace leaping to sudden life you have worked it out pretty thoroughly in outline yes dyce read the newspapers and walked a little in the garden punctually at eleven lady ogram descended the carriage was at the door this stately drive alone with the autocrat of rivenoak animated the young man he felt that the days of his insignificance were over that his career the career so often talked about had really begun a delightful surprise gave piquancy to his sensations had he cared to tell himself the truth he would have known that whatever his self-esteem he had never quite believed in the brilliant future of which he liked to dream it is one thing to merit advancement quite another to secure it yet here he was driving with a great lady his friend his admirer driving towards the excitement of political contest perhaps towards a seat in parliament and who could say what subsequent distinctions lady ogram was not the woman to aid half-heartedly where her feelings were interested pretty surely he could count upon large support so long as he did not disappoint his benefactress for the present he had no anxieties thanks to another woman of whom in truth he thought scarcely once in twenty-four hours he lived at ease his faculties were expanding under this genial sunshine of prosperity even in aspect he was a man of more importance than a few weeks ago his cheeks had coloured his eyes rested with a new dignity on all they saw they returned and as lady ogram was entering the hall a servant made a respectful announcement mr kerchever is here my lady mr kerchever indeed with an unusually quick step the old lady moved towards the library there occupied with a newspaper sat a man whose fifty years still represented the prime of life a tall athletically built man his complexion that of a schoolboy after summer holidays his brown hair abundant and crisp spring and stay declared in every muscle of his limbs and frame lightly he arose gracefully he swung forward with the bow and smile of one who knows not constraint mr kerchever followed the law 
but he also whenever a chance offered followed the hounds and with more gusto at school and university he had won palms that his place in academic lists was less glorious mattered little to one who had a comfortable seat awaiting him in the paternal office and what brings you here asked lady ogram unable to subdue an agitation which confused her utterance i have made a discovery which will interest you replied mr kerchever in a voice which sounded very strong and melodious by contrast what is it don't keep me waiting i have found a granddaughter of your brother joseph tomalin the listener drew a deep tremulous sigh can't you go on she exclaimed thickly just as the lawyer was resuming i'll tell you how i came upon her track i don't care anything about that cried the old lady with violent irritation what is she where is she miss may tomlin is twenty-five years old her parents are dead she lives with relatives of her mother in the town of northampton she has been well educated well brought up altogether and has a little income about a hundred a year again lady ogram drew a deep breath her face was hotly flushed her hands trembled a great joy shone from the transformed countenance thank goodness broke from her hoarsely thank goodness then with sudden alarm i suppose you're making no idiotic mistake that kind of mistake lady ogram responded mr kerchever with a tolerant motion of the eyebrows is not quite in my way indeed i'm not in the habit of making mistakes of any kind you may be sure i have taken every precaution before coming here with such news as this all right what are you angry about lawyers and doctors and parsons there's no talking with them they're so touchy can't you go on here's a girl falls out of the clouds and i'm to show no curiosity about her you drive me crazy with your roundabout nonsense go on can't you mr kerchever eyed his client curiously he was not offended for he had known lady ogram long and had received traditions regarding her from a time before he was born but he could not help being struck just now with her face and manner they made him uneasy i will tell you everything forthwith he resumed but i must beg you to control yourself lady ogram i do so out of regard for your health emotion is natural but now that you know the news is all good your excellent sense should tranquillize you pray let us talk quietly lady ogram glanced at him but nodded acquiescence i am as cool as you are talk as much as you like a few days ago i had occasion to look through the lists of a london university calendar my eye fell on the name tomalin and of course i was interested may tomalin matriculated at london three years ago i could find no further record of her but inquiries were easy and they guided me to northampton there i made the acquaintance of a mr rook a manufacturer in whose house miss tomalin is resident and has been for a good many years to be precise since she was nine years old without trouble i discovered the girl's history her grandfather joseph tomlin died in canada forty-seven years ago how do you know it was joe my brother asked the listener sharply all these things you can follow out for yourself in detail in the papers i will leave with you this joseph had a brother thomas and his age corresponds very well with that of your own brother joseph thomas tomlin has left no trace except the memory of his name preserved by the wife of joseph and handed on to her son who in turn spoke of thomas to his wife who has been heard by mrs rook her sister to mention that fact in the family history 
what is more i find a vague tradition that a sister of joseph and thomas made a brilliant marriage how is it that your advertisements were never seen by these people these rooks so it happened that's all one can say i have known many such failures may tomlin was born at toronto where her father also a joseph died in eighty her mother an englishwoman came back to england in eighty one bringing may the only child she settled at northampton and on her death in the following year may passed into the care of the rooks she had no surviving relative of her own name her father a builder left a little money which now provides the young lady with her income from a state of choleric flurry lady ogram was passing into irritable delight better late than never she exclaimed but i can't see why you didn't find the girl ages ago haven't you advertised in canada no we knew that your brothers went to australia thomas no doubt died there the story of joseph's wanderings is irrecoverable we must be content to have satisfactory evidence of his death and of this girl's descent from him well and why haven't you brought her i saw no need for such precipitancy miss tomlin has not yet been informed of what is going on of course she is her own mistress free to accept any invitation that may be offered her the rooks seem to be quiet people in easy circumstances no trouble of any kind is to be feared from them you may act at your leisure here is the address of course if you would like me to return to northampton she must come at once said lady ogram starting up would the crows understand a telegram the rooks you mean i think it would be better to write naturally i have not let them know your name at first i found mr rook rather disposed to stand upon his dignity but a firm of northampton solicitors vouched for my bona fides and then things were smoother no i don't think i would telegraph then go to northampton and bring the girl back with you if you wish it when is there a train oh there's the luncheon bell of course you must eat come and eat i have someone staying here that i should like you to know our liberal candidate at the next election oh so you have found one of course i have didn't i write to tell you a lot of people dine here this evening to meet him perhaps you could stay over night yes now i come to think of it i should like you to dine with us you shall go to northampton to-morrow write to rookie this afternoon lady ogram grew sportive prepare him come along now to lunch you look hungry just one word you are quite sure it would be wise to bring this young lady at once to rivenoak you say she knows how to behave herself certainly but the change in her position will be rather sudden don't you think and if i may venture how can you be sure that miss tomlin will recommend herself to you isn't she of my own blood cried lady ogram in a high croak of exasperation isn't she my brother's grandchild the only creature of my own blood living i merely urge a little prudence is the girl a fool i have no reason to think so but she has led a quiet provincial life come and eat cried lady ogram we'll talk again afterwards mrs toplady joined them in the dining-room as she seated herself everybody's late to-day mr kerchever mr lashmar i want you to know each other mr lashmar what have you been doing all the morning why of course you had a drive with me i'd forgotten do sit down and let us eat if every one's as hungry as i am for all that she satisfied her appetite with one or two mouthfuls and talked on in a joyously excited strain to the astonishment of constance who saw that mr kerchever must have brought some very important news lashmar also exhilarated kept up conversation with mrs toplady it was a vivacious company 
miss bride being the only person who spoke little she was commonly silent amid general talk but her eyes travelled from face to face reading commenting mr kerchever consented to stay overnight in the afternoon he had a stroll with lashmar but they did not much enjoy each other's society dyce took no interest in whatever in sports or games and the athletic lawyer understood by politics a recurring tussle between two parties neither of which had it in his power to do much good or harm to the country of philosophy and science other than that of boxing he knew about as much as the woman who swept his office privately mr kerchever opined that this young man was a conceited pedant who stood no chance whatever of being elected to parliament when questioned by lady ogram he inquired whether mr lashmar had means oh he has money enough was the careless answer but it's his brains that run upon i never heard they went for much in politics said mr kerchever End of chapter nine